Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. As we, Lord, come to it, we've got a sense of anticipation, expectation that good things are going to happen. So Lord, we look to you now to teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 43, just kind of kind of get ourselves back into Genesis 43, 43, 1. The famine was sore in the land. It came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again, buy us a little food. Judas spake unto him, saying, the man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, you shall not see my face except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, you shall not see my face except your brother be with you. Israel said, Wherefore have you dealt so ill with me, so as to tell the man whether he had a brother? They said, The man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have you another brother? We told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Judah said unto Israel, his father, Send the lad with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him, if I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee. And let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. Their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits of the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present. A little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in your mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand, peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Okay, so now here we are. We're at this point where Jacob and his family are starving. They're under pressure, as it says. It presses down on them. All the corn that they brought... The first time that Joseph gave to the family has all been eaten up. The famine is really causing them to come to the end of themselves. And so Joseph now, he's loaded up these brothers with food when they left the first time and sent them back home. But he really yearned in his heart to see his brothers get fixed, come back into restoration of fellowship, come back to God. Can you imagine how hard it was for Joseph to see them go away? Because he had him there. He was a very powerful man in Egypt. And, but the beauty of Joseph that we see here is that he was constantly yielding to God. And when Joseph sent off his brothers with the food, really, Joseph had no guarantee that he'd ever see them again. There were a lot of things that could have happened. He could have thought, you know, maybe they'll be too afraid to return. And they'll just say, oh, Simeon, you know, okay, he was a nice brother, but he's gone. 
You know, or Joseph could have thought that, you know, maybe the brothers would have concocted some plan of saying, it's really dangerous down there in Egypt. We'll pay somebody else to go down and get some food for us. See, this is the beauty of Joseph. Joseph, as we see here, he thought that what he did what he could. He held Simeon, kind of an assurance to get them to come back. But in the end, he trusted the Lord to bring them back. And that's a beautiful picture of this chapter, what it means to have a problem. And there's a recurring theme here in this chapter of this. Have a problem, do all that you can do, and then trust God for the outcome. And that's what we see that Joseph did here when he sent his brothers home, remained under that disguise, hoping that they would return. Now, we've seen that it was a a very real possibility that they never would have returned because when Jacob heard of the condition of them having to return to Egypt with Benjamin, Jacob said in the last verse of the last chapter, in chapter 42, verse 38, 42, 38, he said, my son shall not go down with you. But Joseph waited, and God worked to make the famine press hard on Jacob and his family. And then, of course, then remember that Reuben, the firstborn, you know, takes the lead, and he said in verse 37 of chapter 42, 42, 37, Reuben spake unto his father, say, slay my two sons, if I bring them not to thee, deliver them into my hand. So that was really unbelievable that Reuben thought that that would be a comfort for Jacob to kill his two grandsons. <laughs> we can imagine Jacob looking at Reuben with this look of shock and just thinking, stupid. (laughs) But that's one of the reasons when Jacob gave the final pronouncement of Reuben in his prophecy on his deathbed in Genesis 49.4, Genesis 49.4, he looked at Reuben and he said, Reuben, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. But everything changes now when Judah takes the stage. And he begins to speak in verse 8, here, 43.8, 43.8. And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me, we'll arise and go, and so forth. See, he's very persuasive, Judah. And he persuaded Jacob when he said these things, not about killing some other grandsons, but he says, send the lad with me. Send the lad with me. So this is the beginning of the change of mind that Jacob has when he hears this. When he says, send the lad with me, send Benjamin with me, he's talking about, I will take a personal responsibility for Benjamin. And so Judah's really saying to Jacob that I will not let Benjamin out of my sight. I mean, he will be with me. Send the lad with me. He's saying, Benjamin will be with me. I'll keep Benjamin out of trouble. Benjamin will be with me. I'll keep him safe. I'll bring him back. Isn't that a beautiful picture? How the Lord Jesus takes care of us. He takes care of us by being with us. And that's what we see when Judah says in verse 8, send the lad with me. We can see the Lord Jesus saying the same thing. He'll be with me. You'll be with him. And I'll keep him out of trouble. Not so easy for him, but anyway. And he'll be with me. I'll keep him safe. And so it's such a precious statement in verse 8 when Judah says, send the lad with me. It reminds me of of how important it is to be with the Lord. And he said in John 14, 3, he talked about, we we think about heaven, oh, heaven's a wonderful place. We want to go to heaven. The essence of heaven is in John 14, 3, where he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And here it is, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's being with the Lord. He's preparing a place for us so that we can be with him. And his prayer to the Father, 
there in the high priestly prayer before he left the earth in John 17, 24, John 17, 24, it was, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. So the Lord makes this great promise. He says in John 14, 18, John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come for you. That means that just the time when we feel that our lives are shattered and in need of comfort, that he promises, I won't let you stay that way. I will not leave you comfortless, but I'm going to come and comfort you. That's a tremendous promise that we have. A tremendous promise because it's showing that he's monitoring us and he's saying, oh, they need comfort. I'm not going to leave them comfortless. And then he comes. It's just like the hymn says. He saw me plunged in deep distress and flew to my relief. That's why it's so important in our lives. We say, well, you know, how should we then live? As Francis Schaeffer asked the question in his famous series, you know. And the, and the answer is, in service to him. Why? Because of John 12, 26. John 12, 26 says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. If any man serve me, where I am, there shall also my servant be. Okay, now Judah goes on. He makes this commitment to Jacob in verse 9. He says, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee. Then let me bear the blame forever. Now, Judah tells Jacob that he's going to be surety for Benjamin. Surety is like he's saying, I'm going to be a personal guarantee for Benjamin. Not like Reuben who says, my two sons will be the personal guarantee. You can kill them. (laughs) But no, it's a little bit. This is stronger when Judah now says he is going to bring Benjamin back or he would blame, he would take the blame for eternity is what he said. And exactly what Judah meant by this is made clear or clearer when he says in the next chapter, you can see that in 43, 44:32, chapter 44:32, he's explaining what this means about being surety. And he says in Genesis 44:32, he said, "For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, "If I bring him not unto thee." then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. So he's got this on his mind. Judah has got this on his mind. He said it, he meant it, it's burning in him. And when he gets in front of the prime minister there, he repeats it exactly the way he said it to his father and especially the part about bearing the blame forever. Now then it's interesting, the next verse. Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. He's used a word here. He's used an essential link between surety and that link is now to when he says, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of, instead of. In other places translated, and this word is translated, in the stead of. And this concept, thy servant became surety, let thy servant abide instead of the lamb, the lad, is very important because when Judas said that he was surety and therefore he, he said, therefore I will take the place of Benjamin. And he used this word, this word, taklat, a very important word. And we see it there in verse 33. Let thy servant abide, takat, 
instead of the lad of, to a bondman to the Lord. And what a scene that is for us when we see Judah volunteering to give up his freedom in exchange for Benjamin to have freedom. That's the meaning behind this word takat, instead of. The first time it was used was on Mount Moriah when Abraham and Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22.13. Genesis 22.13 where it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of Takat, in the stead of in the stead of his son. It was on Mount Moriah, that's where it was, and, and the altar was built, and Isaac was tied up, and Isaac was laid on the altar, and the knife was above Isaac. And for all intents and purposes, in Abraham's mind, he had sacrificed Isaac. It was uh, something that was already done. And that's why when it's describing this whole passage, we know that Isaac wasn't sacrificed because God stopped him. But nevertheless, when it's describing this passage here in Hebrews eleven seventeen, Hebrews eleven seventeen, it speaks about it as if Abraham did sacrifice Isaac when it says in Hebrews eleven seventeen, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. So there's the altar. That altar was for Isaac. That altar was for Isaac to be sacrificed on. That altar was the place where Isaac was going to die. He was going to die on that altar. There's the knife. It's raised over Isaac to kill him. That knife was to kill Isaac. There's the wood. It was all in place. That wood was there to set Isaac on fire and make the burnt offering. And then in the last instance, instant there, then God stopped it all and showed the ram that was behind Abraham. And Isaac, then you can picture it, is taken off of the altar and the ram is put in Isaac's place and the knife that was to kill Isaac now is plunged into the ram and kills the ram. The ram took Isaac's place. And the wood that was to burn up Isaac, now it's set on fire and it burns up the ram. It's all because of this word, takat. And it's a substitution it's in the stead of it. It's the idea the ram has taken Isaac's place. That's what made that little five-year-old girl's answer so precious at the Del Mar Fair when I showed the picture, the child evangelism booth of the Lord on the cross. And I said, what's he doing up there? And I was expecting her to say, he's dying for our sins. But she said, he's taking our place. See, she's got it. That's it. Now, just think, just think of Isaac standing on the side now and watching that ram take his place and thinking, oh, that altar, that was my altar. <laughs> that knife that I seem to be plunging the ram right now to kill me, that was the knife that was supposed to be in me, on my neck. And that wood that's now being set on fire, that was the wood that was supposed to burn me up. And the only reason that I'm not on that altar and I didn't die under that knife and I wasn't burned up by the wood is because of substitution, because of this tachat, because of this in the stead of me. That's what it means when the Lord Jesus offered himself in the stead of us. He died on the cross for us. And when we see in our minds and we picture in our minds the cross on which the Lord Jesus died, we need to think like Isaac did and look and say, Oh, that cross that the Lord Jesus died on? That was my cross. That was my cross. I should have been on that cross. Oh, those nails that were driven into the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus? Those are my nails. 
Those are my nails. They should have been driven into me. And the only reason that I was not on that cross and didn't have those nails driven into me was because he took my place. So when Judas says in verse 9, I will be surety for him, we see a picture of the Lord Jesus of whom it's written in Hebrews 7.22. Hebrews 7.22, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And just as Judah looked right into the eyes of Jacob, he looks right into the eyes of Jacob, in essence, he says, look, if it comes down to it, I will sacrifice myself to keep Benjamin safe, which, as we said, is more than Judah, uh, Reuben did. And just as, as we can see, Judah looking to the eyes of his father and saying that, in essence, I will be surety, so we can see the Lord Jesus looking right into the eyes of God the Father and taking the personal responsibility for our safety, as he said in John 6.37, John 6.37, all that the Father hath giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And then he goes on in John 6.39, John 6.39, and he says, he explains, he said, this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but that I should raise it up again at the last day. So Judah went down there to Egypt, and Judah could think about he could think about how he had made this promise, because it really was a promise, a promise to keep Benjamin safe. And he's conscious of this. He's conscious of this, just as the Lord was conscious when he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. This is the Father's will, which has sent me all that he's given me. I should lose nothing. And just as it was about the promise that Judah had made to Jacob, this is all about the promise that the Lord Jesus made to the Father. It's the same. And so all this personal guaranteeing between Judah and Jacob, we can see the Lord Jesus also in the same way with this personal guaranteeing here. We could see the Lord Jesus saying the words of verse 9 to the Father about us. He can say, I will be surety for him. Of my hand shall thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then I shall blame, bear the blame forever. Just think of the Lord Jesus standing there before the Father and saying about us who are so lost, and we just sung about that in the, in the breaking of bread earlier. We just sung about that. And the Lord Jesus saying to the Father, I will be the guarantee for him. I'll bring him back to you safe and sound. I'll set him before you, and if I don't, I'll bear the blame forever. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh, then Judah said in verse 9, of my hand shalt thou require it. Now, this shows, again, this high level of responsibility that Judah has put under himself under to bring Benjamin back. The term at the hand is very important in Scripture. It's used by God. He spoke of that when he said, uh, uh, you can't just kill somebody and just get away with it in Genesis 9-5. And he used the word at the hand. In Genesis 9-5, he says, surely... Surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. See, it speaks of a requirement. At the hand speaks of a requirement. And we've also seen this term before, at the hand, when Jacob was speaking about how hard Laban was on him, how hard it was for him to work for him, that every piece of livestock, every animal that was lost that was during 
the time when Jacob was taking care of it, Jacob said in Genesis 31, 39, 31, 39, that which was torn of beasts, I brought not unto thee, I bear the loss of it, of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by night or stolen by day. So Jacob has used this term, of my hand, when he was with Laban. So it's very, very, very acute in Jacob's mind what that means, at the hand, as he used it there. So when Judah steps forward and uses that same term, at the hand, it's very persuasive on Jacob. And so Jacob now is yielding. Now God uses also this term, at the hand, not just for murder, but also the responsibility that a watchman has. And we can see ourselves as watchmen. Watchmen in Ezekiel 33.6. In Ezekiel 33.6, it says like this. God said, But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them... He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So very, very strong. So here again, God is saying, I'm going to require it at the hand of the watchman if you don't warn. I mean, God warned, God was warning for that, for a person to know the danger is coming and not sound an alarm. It's very serious. So serious that God said, I'm going to hold the watchman responsible for that. And God made it clear that he's talking about warning a sinner of God's coming judgment. Because he goes on in two verses later in Ezekiel 33.8. Ezekiel 33.8. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. So there it is again, at thy hand where this term, at thy hand, has this great meaning for us is when we think of the time when Thomas came to the Lord Jesus Christ and he wasn't believing. But the Lord said to him in John 20, 27, the Lord said to Thomas in John 20, 27, then, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. So he tells Thomas to reach out his finger, touch his hand, touch his hand. He asks him that. He says, touch the hand. See the hand that bore the judgment for you. See the hand that gave the required judgment for you. It was the nail marks that showed how the judgment for our sins was required at the hands of the Lord Jesus. Now Judah then goes on and he says, if I don't do this, then let me bear the blame forever. In verse nine, then let me bear the blame forever. It's like a prophecy. It's like a prophecy here about the Jewish people and the Lord, the Lord Jesus is the Messiah, how they blame, bear this blame. It's very interesting how it's described of bearing the blame when it says in Isaiah 53, 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see a seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.